Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today, we're taking a look at some of Portland's history for Black History Month. Hey everyone, so we just got to slip in a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, we uh, began a discussion about Portland's black history and the Bible, and it threw up so much to think about. It was such a long discussion. I mean, we we didn't get to a ton of answers, but uh, just threw up loads of issues. Uh, it was a sort of one of those discussions, like it often is in the podcast, where we, we don't get all the answers, but we allow the Bible to sort of stir some really good questions. Um, and there was so much to think about, we split into two. And so if you're listening right now um, and you have not caught part one of this, I just wanted to slip in, press pause, go back, listen to part one. Otherwise, this is going to be really confusing. All right. Hope you enjoy. I think it throws up a really interesting uh, Bible thing to tap into as well. So I'm going to like try and press go on Ryan the theologian now a little bit. Um, <laughs> He doesn't know what's coming. So he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what's going to ask Brace it himself. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking of this, like, talking about the snow and talking uh-huh. about the natural disaster of a flood. Yeah. Um, they're both examples of how um, when hardship happens, and sometimes it's just, like, horrible natural events, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's there are human agents involved. Yeah. But be that as it may those harms don't affect us all equally. Yeah, They disproportionately affect those who have less power or resource to adapt or change or, you know, do something about it. Yeah. And so then I think about, like, different ways of responding. You know, so one response would be like, well, you know, ev- anyone can go find a friend or, you know, th- you know, there's there's no limitations on who can check into a hotel. So... I, I guess it's going to be okay. Right. So mm-hmm. everyone so has the equal opportunity. Equal opportunities, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So this would be kind of like in the Old Testament if God mm. said, hey, look, sometimes there's going to be like famine or hardship or you can't eat. So anyone who needs to glean in someone else's field, you can do it. Mm-hmm. But God didn't do that. Mm-hmm. He said, no, don't you dare. That is for the widows and the orphans. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah. why Why is, like, is, is there a thing that starts to emerge in Scripture there where God is recognizing the disproportionate effect of harm on people. And and there's this sort of, you know, trilogy of people like the poor, the widow, the orphan. The yeah. Often, yep. we are, the poor is less resources. The widow is without power or voice and the orphan mm-hmm. is without resources you know, or community. Yeah. So, yeah, well, like what? Yeah, so I'm actually, um, this is a, a passage I often go to in, in thinking through these things. Um, and... Uh, just forewarning, I'm, you said you were going to hit go on me, and so here we go. That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of these barking break. Or yeah, you know, you know just come pause, back in intermission, minutes. you know, something like that. Um, so uh, this is just just in order to try and give a little bit of backstory to some of this. So ultimately, we're going to land in, in Ruth and and think through a particular story in Ruth that I think really hits on this of of what a natural disaster of a natural disaster that happens and how. Uh, really someone who strikes many of those kind of, uh, you know, what is it, the quartet of the vulnerable or whatever, yeah. or the, the trio of the vulnerable. 
And, um, and I, you know, I'm sure many people are familiar at least with the basic story of Ruth, whether they've read the book or not, they've, they've heard it somewhere. Um, but often what goes and unmissed if you is go watch the Bible project video y- and you'll have it down. Yeah, totally. <laughs> go, go watch that. You'll, you'll get a, a great just synopsis of the story. But what often goes missed is that it's striking on a lot of other portions of the Bible. So for one, I'll, I'll just read the story in, in Ruth that I'm talking about in Ruth two, uh, we have the story in which uh, Ruth is gleaning from Boaz's field. And so Ruth is this Moabitess, um, yeah, so non to be clear, non Israelite alien outsider. Yep. S- viewed with suspicion. Yeah, and for you weirdo, and for good place. reason, specifically being a Moabitess, which I'll, I'll get into here in a second. But she's she's the the daughter in law um, of this woman whose uh, husband and two sons died, and then her two daughter in laws, uh, daughters in law, I guess it's the proper way to say it. Uh, one of them leaves. And Ruth says, no, I'm not about that. I'm going to stay here. Like, you're my family now. This is where I'm going to live. Uh, I'm going to be here for you. And not only that, I'm going to make your God my God. Like, all allegiances shifted. I'm I'm here for you. Um, we're in this loss together. Yeah, you lost your son. I lost my husband. You know what that's like because you also lost your husband. Oh, we're going to get through this together. So she goes out to Boaz's uh, field uh, in order to try and glean something, particularly because in Leviticus 19 and Leviticus uh, 23, we have laws that are given specifically for the fact that uh, when people are are harvesting and they're they're gleaning their, their harvest and their crops, they're not supposed to glean all the way up until the edge of the field, and whatever kind of trappings are are left on the ground those are supposed to be left and then all of the the harvest on the corners on the edges of the field are supposed to be left specifically for uh the widow or the the orphan or the the stranger the the alien those from foreign lands who are there yeah um uh, those who look different who who aren't of your same ethnic and and this is important just to recognize that like we're not ever going to find in scripture specifically racial justice in the terms that we think of because race as we think of it is a social construct that yeah. is uh, fairly recently yeah. in as ancient far times as, they might have talked about ethnic justice yeah maybe which would be the closest yeah. thing so if so any sort of like oh well that's different uh yes on a technical on a technicality but this is this is what we have, like, so let, and this me, is what scripture is talking about. Let me try. It. I'm going to try and put it in modern terms and like ask back to you about the story, see if I'm yeah. getting it right. So, um, with an agenda, which you guys will pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has an agenda. But um, <laughs> so so one one way God could have done it would be like, hey, you're a farmer, like getting all your harvest, and then it's up to you what you use those resources for. And it would be great if you were like generous to the poor or how to look out for your neighbor or something yeah but god didn't he actually mandated i'm going to require and it's actually going to be like a, a state legislated demand <laughs> oh right yep that it's a requirement that if you're a part of this nation and this community you have a duty of care towards mm-hmm. those who are marginalized disadvantaged whatever that and, yep. uh, and there's various forms of disadvantage that yeah. god talks about you have a duty of care to actually help that person be put right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. to, to, to the, the disadvantage would become 
actually not a disadvantage anymore. And and it's not in the way that like, hey, you've got to give them half your field. And so there's, a, there's an interesting like, well, how much of a help was this? Yeah. You know, for some, for like for Ruth, it's a leg up out of the ditch. But for other people, it was their, this was the rest of their life. This was their subsistence now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's huge variety. But is that the right sort of modern way of telling the narrative of what's going on? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And I, I think you're really hitting on something important there because now did would God have hoped for Boaz to do more? Absolutely. And he does like finish the story. It, it doesn't end with Ruth too. And then it's just like, oh, and she gleaned and then let's move on to the next book of the Bible. No, like we, we have a whole story and you know, Ruth, a Moabitess ends up becoming like, let's talk about just how much more she becomes in the lineage mm-hmm. of our Messiah. So, you know, <laughs> she's got that going for her. It's kind of uh, a big it's deal. It's great. <laughs> Boaz kind of helps out with that, you know, <laughs> through like being the dad of the, yeah. So just finish the book. It's great. Um, <laughs> and really think hard as you're reading it. Uh, but the absolute mandate, the you don't get to get out of this, uh, because you you say you worship Yahweh, here's how prove it uh, to some degree. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, that, and that's I'm, critical. It's not just it, if you belong to this nation. It's if you take the name Yahweh. This is the yeah. commandment. Mm-hmm. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, which doesn't mean don't it, say a swear word. Exactly. Yeah, Taking exactly. the Lord's <laughs> name is being like, I belong to Jesus, but I act like a jerk. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're or I don't act in accordance me. with the ways of Yahweh. Yeah. yeah, that's taking the Lord's name in exactly. vain. And God's like, man, that ease me off yeah exactly <laughs> Yahweh says Boaz you represent me yeah you claim that do it well but don't don't you dare take my name and then act in some way that I would never behave hmm. um, and you know Jesus then whatever we could go off and then the rest uh, of the so, Bible yeah exactly <laughs> so but but here's the thing here's what makes this so incredible is we're given a timeline. We're not given a timeline for very many books of the Bible of like really exactly when this happens. But Ruth starts with, now it came about in the days when the judges were judging or the judges governed. Well, just go back one book. When were the judges judging? In Judges. <laughs> um, and so in the book of Judges, we, we have this time. So Ruth takes somewhere takes place somewhere in the middle of this time. Well, do we have a story of the Moabites? Yes. In uh, Judges 3, we have Ehud and Eglon, the king of Moab, and he's not a very good guy. This is, this is one of those, like in the many cycles of Israel doing a really shoddy job of being Israel, um, they get taken over, at, taken captive by some foreign ruler because they're not actually following after Yahweh and they go oh Yahweh save us and then he goes okay I'll send a judge and then the judge takes care of business so anyway Moab is a a terrible uh, oppressor for 18 years and Ruth comes out of this place so wherever this takes place whether this is after Ehud or, or before or whatever either way they know about Moab they don't have great feelings about Moab and here's this girl, Ruth, who's from Moab during the time in which the judges are judging. You've got ups and downs of like these four nations constantly. What is this girl going to come in and do? Is she a spy? Is she going to, is this a way? All sorts of reasons to not really want anything to do with her. And yet Boaz goes, I, I don't care. Yahweh never wants nothing to do with anybody. Yahweh wants everything from everybody because he wants, he wants to lavish his love upon them and he knows that they're going to best feel loved when they come and serve and 
live under my ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And so he expects Boaz to act accordingly. So Boaz is like, hey, here's the thing. Uh, Yet again, this is problematic. The fact that Boaz has to tell his harvesters and his workers do this is already bad news. The harvesters should have known, hey, we all are part of Israel. We serve Yahweh. We know this law. We're very familiar with Leviticus. We, we understand that this is what we're supposed to do. Boaz shouldn't have to tell them. But Boaz is like, hey, don't touch her. Don't mess with her. Don't take any of the stuff that you're supposed to leave for her. Leave an abundant amount of this for her on the edge and allow her to come in peace and glean and take up as much as she needs. And so he, so Boaz, in the name of the Lord, lavishes upon and, you know, finishes the story. Anyway, uh, but it, it was during a famine. Like, this is why, you know, it, it, this is why everyone died at the beginning of the book. It's because there was a famine in the land. Mm-hmm. And so this is a natural disaster. There's not a whole lot to go off of. And God has no lesser expectation for his people to lavish of what little there is. Mm-hmm. He says... Uh, no, she's a Moabitess. She has less. And uh, and they, that family particularly, has less. Give them all that you can. Um, and so, uh, there we go. That's there my that's my Bible. Bah. Mm-hmm. I just did. <laughs> it was great. It's a technical term. There's got to be a term for that. <laughs> we could have like a little musical intro- interlude. <laughs> like, Welcome to Ryan's Bible Blair. <laughs> yeah. oh, great. I like it. All right, I'm going to keep telling some of the story because this is, we, we've already talked for 50 minutes. But um, So what happens in Albina then? Remember, it's this area of town now where all the black people are living. So it's, a, it's not just the only place they can live. It's the only place they can afford to live. And the mm-hmm. interesting thing today is you go to this area of town and gentrification, it's like, a yeah. really expensive, hit place to be, really fashionable, you know, very elite. Um, but it, it wasn't a way. And the way it was viewed was not as a black community struggling for survival and trying to find its place in the city, but it was viewed as a blighted slum mm-hmm. in need of repair. It was, you know, uh, but for slightly different reasons than Van, Vanport was like, the, the question was, let's get rid of the blacks. But Albina was like, that's a horrible part of town, right? Mm-hmm. And so now there's some sort of social dynamics sort of kick in. Um, this this Albina area of town, it becomes an area that's targeted for development. So in 1956, voters approve the construction of a, an arena there, which leads to the demolishing of hundreds of homes. Mm. Uh, now note that it's the, the voters. So the majority, which... So these people, then the way this decision is made is everyone has an equal voice or, or the, you know, each each single person has their own voice. One person, black, one vote. The black yeah. community do not have an equal opportunity to, to I don't know, influence something yeah. that affects them. So they are, you know... In terms of do they have the vote and things like that, actually, that's a whole other storyline. That's a whole other mess of stuff going on. <laughs> oh, voting rights. But, um, yeah. In terms of that, we could be like, okay, well, that's, that's one issue. But um, you can have equal voting rights and still have a minority that are disenfranchised, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, com- it, it comes down to power. And so we see, like, with Boaz, he had power to tell the people who were working in his fields 
do this, right? But if you're in power and you are seeking to maintain your power through whatever means necessary, you are going to then get the people who also want to stay in power together and be like, how can we make this happen? Mm -hmm. And typically it's by the exploitation of people groups. And and we have that actually kind of, I think we see a little bit of that towards the end of Ruth where he's put, you know, Boaz is asked to be the kinsman redeemer. And he's like, uh, yes, but hold on. There's someone who I think is closer. Let me go make sure that I do this right. I'll go ask him. Yeah. And he asked that dude and the dude's like, yeah, I know I'm closer. I'm technically supposed to be the kinsman redeemer, but you say she's from where? Oh, oh, she's a Moabitess. No, there's kind of a lot of things that that might do to my whole name and my reputation Mm -hmm. and legacy here. And I really got to keep that up. And I'm pretty sure taking a Moabitess on into my, uh, you know, family lineage might mess that up. So you have her, Boaz. You go ahead and take that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly. Well, yeah, and we see a good example of, you know, the power there, like your your superpower or your powers, in a sense, used for good. Because let's just say if it was um, one of his um, workers who would have brought this to his attention and they and he wasn't on that same page, like he wanted to only think about himself and his power, it would not have happened the way it happened. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because he could have easily, he could have just said no. And the only reason why it went the way it went, it was because he used his, his power and his privilege to do what yeah. he did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So the story keeps going. So the arena is built. Um, interstate five is built through this land. Mm-hmm. Highway 99 built through this land, a hospital extension built mm-hmm. on this land. And so there's just a question here of like, you know, I think this highlights something about a a problem I have. So I'm going to like use the dirty word with a certain aspect of the the brand of capitalism you have in America. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So to me, the fact that a vulnerable group of people were the ones who now suffered further displacement Mm -hmm. is an example of injustice. Mm-hmm. But I know there's other people that the, the narrative they have in their head for processing this is it's just good business. Mm-hmm. Where if it's economically <laughs> feasible, it's like, well, that's a shame these people got, you know, it's really bad. It makes me sad, right. you know, that these people are affected in this way. But because it's economically feasible, that makes it right. Mm-hmm. And that would be like the farmer of a field in ancient Israel saying, yeah, but if I don't allow these people to glean, but do it in some other way that I make less of a loss, that would be right. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll and just God collect. Has no truck with that. I'll just not yeah. leave any behind. I'll collect it all. And then if I don't sell it, I'll just give, I'll just donate that extra part that I don't yeah, yeah, sell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yep, yeah. Some so yeah. some sort of a, a other way of like trying to think more business like yeah just right. controlling but, it but ultimately I'll still get yeah exactly it's it's it's, it's your way of yeah. getting to it's control power. how yeah. yeah and and that's the thing is like that's the difference though for followers of Christ we don't think in a cap we don't we are not capitalists Jesus did or, not or even if we are yeah like even making if, more money or yeah that's not our ultimate being, goal us being economically infested in, uh, infested <laughs> <laughs> but what Freudian it's slip. almost like we have an approach to the world where I want to th- I want to th- uh, thrive and flourish right. I almost said th- th- thrive and flourish you all got those mixed up 
but do I want to do well, yeah. but in a way that has the least economic impact on me. Right. Because my security is in my resources. Mm-hmm. And yeah. actually the way of Jesus you're pointing out is actually yeah. security there can be him. wisdom in prudence, financial prudence. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's not that like others yeah. is the primary value. And I just think these decisions would have been made differently if people had a different set of values they brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a constantly encountering people, and then it grieves me when they're Christians, who don't have a box for thinking that way. Mm-hmm. But we understand it in other ways. Like, like come back to the marriage thing. You would, you would, you know, almost jokingly saying at the start, Grace, like mm-hmm. sometimes you're having a fight, and one yeah. of you just has to be like, <laughs> you know what, for us to put this right, and, and maybe it's one of those times where there's miscommunication both sides. One of you has to be like, I'm sorry. Do you know what? This doesn't matter enough that I want to fight about this with you. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just like, I'll swallow it and let's move on. Right. Like what and is so your it, ultimate goal? Do you want to maintain you your marriage mm-hmm. or do you want to have like a really bad day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, I don't know. It, it, it just, it's frustrating to me because then people are like, okay, well, Okay, but that was a long time ago, and I do see the danger in not putting Jesus first, but, like, what can I do about it now? Yeah. And it's like, well, the Lord, like, the Lord has given us, like, a heart for justice, so we have to go out and figure out where we can use our power and our privilege and our hearts for others, right? A heart for our neighbor Mm -hmm. to then bring justice back to that. And sometimes it looks like, um, Zacchaeus, right? Where he <laughs> did like really bad stuff. Um, and then Such he- Such a good example. And then he He's paid, total bad guy. He is. He's scum of the earth, bad guy. But, <laughs> I, but I'm trying to think of, yeah, I mean, but I'm not saying that like we're all the worst. Like I didn't, like, like again, like where we hear people well, say he like, was doing I his didn't job. purpose. Yeah, he yeah. was doing, he was doing his, his job. job. That's it. That's like- and, But he was doing more than his he job. Was, he was, I mean, but, he was doing a little extra. Point, the ultimate but point is- He was still doing his job. That once he <laughs> came to know Jesus- he completely changed. He went out and he's like, I'm not just going to pay back what I owe, right? He's like, I'm going to pay back more than that and I'm going to make it even better, right? And I don't think from doing that, he probably didn't go destitute. He probably still had his house, still had, you know, whatever. I don't know what, what happened to him. It'd be interesting. Yeah. But, but, but it is like one of my favorite songs, which I've said on the podcast several times before there's a line in it that's like asking forgiveness for forgiveness like i've i've crafted myself a more comfortable cross yeah it's like we've got all of the hmm. teaching of like we ought to care for others but we're constantly asking the question can we do it in a way that doesn't cost me anything <laughs> and and i tell you there is going to be like there is no justice without a cost yeah, yeah. if you're fighting with your spouse and you want to be like, let's put this fight down. This isn't worth fighting about. It's going to cost you a bit of your pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, yeah. and, and we, until we get our heads wrapped around our values in a way that we realize that like God actually calls us, like our primary locus of care is others, mm-hmm. not self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are never going to say yes to the cost. And if we never say yes to the cost, we're going to, well... I say we, the the privileged Mm -hmm. will continue the cycle of accruing to themselves more to the disadvantage of others. Yeah. 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 One of the easier, one like the easiest ways that I um, kind of got myself to understand the importance of of counting the cost is um, dealing with some of my uh, clients um, for for fitness. They'll come with goals to like, you know, oh, I want to have the six pack or I want to lose this much weight or I want to do this, that or the other. And, you know, ultimately a lot of people, they'll start and then they quit. 
And the reason why I ended up quitting is because they never counted the cost. They never realized, okay, if I want this, what do I have to do? And that seems, it seems so easy. It, it makes it so, so much easier to understand like that whole topic, in my opinion, um, when you know that even for something as simple as weight loss or something like that, um, there are costs associated with it. Either yeah. you're not going out with friends, even though right now that's not really a thing. But um, <laughs> you don't get to eat ice cream. Every you don't day. get to eat ice cream every day. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You have to think twice about what decisions that you might make um, for cooking dinner or stuff like that. So yeah, I just think that's just an easy way to understand, like even little decisions like your weight and how you look. Like that doesn't really affect anyone's outside of your life. Yeah. Like that that takes that take something and that there's a cost associated with that so just imagine like the grand scheme of things like the cost associated with those yeah like you never would have had the good samaritan story if the samaritan hadn't spent some Mm -hmm. of those resources Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and this this isn't a bible me this is just wanting to (laughs) share a testimony this is some local no this is not (laughs) another uh round of of that but this is actually wanting to just brag on um, some people that I, I came to know uh, through working uh, for them for some time uh, prior to everything with COVID and everything. Uh, Christian uh, couple who owns a local business uh, here in Portland and the way they've allowed their Christianity and their faith and their belief in God and their reading of scripture to influence the way they do business, which and most of the time, and they've gotten a, I think they've gotten a lot of pushback uh, from some people on like, that doesn't make any good fiscal sense, man. And he's just like, yeah, I never got into this to make fiscal sense. I just got into this to like do some good in the community that I care about. And I'm talking about uh, Nate and Jamie Snell, uh, who own uh, Pip's Original Donuts um, in Northeast Portland. And, uh, you know, a lot of things happened. I, I obviously COVID shut us down for a little bit. They had to make some hard decisions there or whatever. But that was for a lot of local businesses uh, in there. And they had a other people first mentality. They always have the way they treat their employees. Uh, I can attest to that in many different ways. Uh, the free birthday dozen for uh, people, um, you know, just coming in and saying, hey, it's my birthday and we give you a free dozen donuts, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, they, they've just always thought about other people. Well, when their business gets shut down and they, you know, have to rethink a whole new business strategy, how are they going to keep their doors open uh, so that eventually people can get their jobs back? they realize, well, there are other local businesses up and down the strip um, of Fremont Street that are going through the same stuff. What are they going to do? They don't have the same sort of like fame kind of that really honestly Pips has. And so they said, well, whatever we start making, we're going to give 15% of all of our profits to other local businesses in the area to make sure that they can keep their doors open and start a digital tip jar for the employees uh, for those other places that aren't going to be able to make income and stuff like that. And yeah, they're getting, you know, unemployment for a little while, but it won't be as much as if they were making tips and wages and all that kind of stuff. And they just gave, uh, I mean, like lavishly upon these other communities uh, or these other businesses. And in turn, it allowed the other businesses, like there are other businesses who felt bad for us and they were like, well, pips is over here doing this stuff for all of our employees so then like there was a pizza joint who gave all the pips employees who were uh laid off for the uh, for the time being free pizza uh the whole time so i was get i was being fed without a job through that pizza joint for like three weeks and you didn't share question (laughs) i'm sorry sorry. that was my uh 
Me and Jamie tried to teach me. I didn't do a great job on the other end of that. Whoops. Um, But it was like no questions asked. It was just like I would order a large pizza and they would like tell me the price. And I was like, it was kind of awkward to be like, I work for, well, I worked for Pips. And they were like, oh, no, of course. Yeah. Well, would you like some drinks with that? Like, do you, (laughs) we just made all these Rice Krispie treats. Would you like some of those? And like, uh, I mean, they're just abundantly giving because they were just like, it was a pay it forward sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this came straight out of Nate and Jamie's belief that like, this is what the scriptures say. And we're not like a Christian business, but they're just a business as Christians. And they just mm-hmm. decided to model their whole yeah. thing. After. And they're still doing that. That's a great example. That's and beautiful. It's just radical, you know, that because generosity is not measured by how many zeros there are on a check. Exactly. It's measured by like how much it costs you. Like the mm-hmm. widow who gave everything she had, mm-hmm. was, yeah. she's the most generous person in scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm also aware there'll be there, there could be people listening who are like, yeah, but isn't that the way of justice? Like individuals being generous, and I want to say yes too. It's not either or. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not you need to understand Yahweh has a duty for you, and also yeah, be really generous. That's really cool as an individual. It's both and. Mm-hmm. There need to be systems that help us when we're immature. Mm-hmm. And actually blossoming out of that, then you have this sort of radical generosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Wait, we got to finish the story here, so I'm going to keep Sorry. going. Um, <laughs> just a little bit, little bit more, because I want to give people stuff to think about with how this story ended. So, what ends up happening with the urban renewal, and even the way it's called urban renewal, is yeah. interesting, because now the black community are being decimated. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for them to sort of maintain a close-knit community when there's upheaval in that community all the time. And so the segregation is leading to alienation even within the community. Mm -hmm. You've got now a community of people that are used to having a relationship with the city where they live where they're the hurtee and the city hurts them. So they're grieving, they're in pain, their voice has not counted, they're disenfranchised. And because of redlining and, th- and all these property laws and things like that, they've got nowhere to go. And so in the midst of all of that nest of stuff, um, predatory lending comes in, mm-hmm. scams come in, mm-hmm. crime comes in. And so there's a sort of cycle here. Um, and, and it's, I mean, some of the, I mean, this is capitalism again, like some of the way... Um, the property regulations were working out as blacks were allowed to own property, but they could only get a loan on property if they were rich. So no one wanted to loan uh, a black family like on a mortgage for a house that was like less than 40,000. But because of the urban decline in the only area they could live, all of the houses were less, less than 40,000. So they couldn't, they couldn't get a loan even if they had the money. Mm -hmm. So, so the sort of, there's a brokenness to this set of circumstances, which is, you know, and I use the word brokenness, I think, but this, I don't want to open this as a conversation, but like something you need to think about is, is it not just broken, but also unjust? Mm-hmm. Is it unfair? You know, um, and so values plummet. But then what happens is the area becomes ripe for, for reinvestment. Um, again, as it, it becomes, you know, if you've got some money, like a place you can spend it but of course all the black people are not able to raise capital to invest in the area they live in Mm -hmm. and so the only people who have access to capital and now see an opportunity are the rich middle class white folk 
and so and that's how gentrification then starts happening mm -hmm. uh, but but it's not just like the area becomes a cool hipster place we're still in the 70s and 80s here like what you end up with then is rife absentee landlordism so like someone else owns your house and but you don't really have you know a, a say in anything mm -hmm. um so people just start buying up homes and businesses uh, the, the interesting twist is once you start to have those who have more of a voice in the city owning more of the property in this area, the city now starts investing. Yep. And so the cycle now of like having been pushed out, but now that someone else's voice is being heard, now the city starts to deal with some of the problems. Um, and the... The interesting thing about that is that a lot of that is to deal with real social issues like foreclosed homes and absentee landlords, but a lot of it is just trying to get rid of crime. Mm -hmm. But that's like trying to treat the symptom, not the disease, mm -hmm. yep. right? As, so that's going on. The, the upshot of all of this is, is the black community now gets gentrified economically out of being able to stay in the place that's becoming nicer. So now they have to move. They're exiled out of their home again because they're, they're now excluded economically. And so it just, it leads, and, and this is part of like the city's history in Portland. Like the, we're talking up into the like 80s, 90s. Like this is not long ago that you've got a significant proportion of the black community in Portland who've been hurt and re-hurt and re-hurt, being displaced, re-displaced, re-displaced, being disenfranchised again and again. And like, and that's, you know, none of us are born and bred Portlanders. Mm -hmm. I got a funny mm -hmm. accent, so it's obvious for me, but you might not know that about these guys, like yeah. Grace and Berlier from elsewhere and Ryan as well. So we're entering into this story of this city partway along. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'd love to just hear from you guys like uh, as we finish you know a little bit of like what does that leave you where you want to think about stuff like what what does that stir up in you that like you know the spirit kind of gives birth to in you as his truth meets these circumstances but especially as someone who's like well i didn't buy property i didn't redline i didn't i this isn't like this is my adopted city but as you learn this is our city's storyline like, does it tweak anything where you're like, oh, I need to be like a different citizen of this city. Like, citizenship in this city calls for something else in me because this is the storyline mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I've i kind of developed this way of thinking um, just by being a, a small business owner. Like, I um, have my, uh, my fitness business and my private investigating business, and... Um, we bought a house in Tigard and stuff. So it's like my thought about our community has been more so around like, okay, how can I um, be involved or be a part of our community? Because I, because I actually need, like I need our community. Like I need the community yeah. around no community, us. no business. Um, yeah. So hearing Oregon's history and it just, I don't know. It just makes me think, see and feel like the more importance of community like the it, yeah it just makes community seem way more important to me um that it's more than just you know our our church that we go to um or our neighbors around our street but it's like our whole um city our whole area yeah. and stuff like that too that kind of all need to 
um, I don't know. And, and engaging it's, like locally. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just like, instead of always yet. just going on Amazon to order something like <laughs> there are local businesses that sell it too. Mm-hmm. And um, seeking those. Yeah. And seek like those seeking out. those yeah. businesses out. Like yeah. there's a lot. So it calls forth a sort of intentionality. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to like jump into Old Testament terms again. So this would be like, you might be the rich landowner in Israel and like you, you might not have any widows or orphans as neighbors. So, but proximity doesn't limit your care. Mm-hmm. It's actually some of your care is extended by proximity. Like, of course, your neighbors, like, that's awesome. Like, um, the parents who you know through your kid's school, like, there's these connections. But another thing that pulls us to extend our care is understanding where people are at. Mm-hmm. And, and God's heart for the, you know, the ones who are suffering yeah. then draws, it elicits in us a kind of, that we extend our care to those people in an intentional way as well. Especially like how we spend our money a lot in our society. Obviously money talks. Um, And if we choose to support businesses that are locally owned or, and that like we specifically look for like restaurants that are black owned or whatever. um, I know like for like going to um, the barbershop is like a whole cultural experience for Burley. Like I, that I don't know. I just don't know yeah. about it. Um, oh, there have been so many yeah. good black, com- good black comedies set in barbershops. Yes. Over the years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a whole cultural oh. experience. And so just to like f- seek that out and find it and be like, I'm going to spend my, I'm going to spend my money anyway doing this, but like, I'm going to spend it at like what, like well, for mm-hmm. him, he's going to spend it at this barbershop that, you know, whatever. That's just one example. Yep. Antique um, barber. Cause yeah, that's, 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 like, that's <laughs> the equivalent up. of uh, <laughs> deciding what to do with the edge of your field. Right. Like I've yeah. got some resource, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I could just keep it or I could spend it in a way that's easiest for me yeah. or something. I, I don't know the, this connects to our earlier conversation. Yeah, basically. it does. Yeah. And, and I think it's also important that we don't just think like, okay, that happened and then now it's okay or like somehow it's over. I think it's important that we continue to maintain our awareness because there are still issues. Um, I know that like even something um, that deals with environmental aspects of um, like schools and housing right around highways and things like that, like they are more likely to be communities of color. Um, They are more likely to have pollutants, obviously like people driving by in their cars all the time and stuff. Um, so there are still issues and there are still, um, fights basically like arguments over how land is going to be used in Portland and in, in all these different areas. And like, if I have a vote in that, you know, in that issue, or if I can, um, give someone a platform or help someone out passing out flyers or whatever it is, like those types of things still take our, time and energy and resources so that's not just speaking with our dollars it's speaking with like how we use our time um as well and like what causes we champion even like posting on social media like you might it's very low on the the thing the list of things you can do but just raising awareness in that regard and this Um, comes back like you mentioned calling right at the start which i was really glad you did this doesn't mean like every single one of us is called to be um like an advocate or activist for Mm -hmm. change around property use in this community in this bit of Portland. But um, there's like a baseline we can all be mindful of like the people around us and what's affecting them and how we, like we're all going to spend money. We're all going to, well, I'm not, I've got no hair to get cut. You three are all going to get your hair cut. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're going to have choices, but then it would be really good to like ask God, 
is there something you're calling me to? Yeah. And it might be as simple as like, I'm going to like assist a community in raising awareness by posting mm-hmm. and plug hot, hot plug here of like, man, but I wish I knew more about like what to raise awareness of in this season mm-hmm. or what's going on. And like, if only there was a community group that were dialed into this, <laughs> you could connect with. If yeah. only racial justice community yeah. existed on Instagram and Facebook. So you got <laughs> our own website. But it's and our own website, racialjusticecommunity.com. I, I think it's really easy for people to... Um, I mean, you guys must have experienced this because you've been called to this and active in this for a long time. It's really easy to see the simple things you can do to like if you've got a neighbor who's a single mum and thinking oh i can see how they're being affected or you know mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that but then the large-scale problems can almost seem immobilizing and sometimes you need yeah. people who are who have stepped into their calling and become specialists mm-hmm. to then help you navigate like these big problems can also be tackled mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah they're whoppers like it's going to yeah. take time and a lot more effort and there'll be setbacks and frustrations and mm-hmm. but yeah i wonder how much the yeah, just like love, love your neighbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like. <laughs> that's what it all comes down to. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is a good, like, love yes, your that's as a yourself. baseline. But mm-hmm. I wonder how much we focus on as that you, well, because yeah. we're almost afraid of the bigger problems or feel mm-hmm. like we can't do anything to, to deal with the other problems or something. When in fact, these problems came about because people mobilized, got together, together to, mm-hmm. to activate for a big change. It. You know, yeah. so it, it does work. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how we got some of these problems. Yeah. <laughs> and I think also it's like you don't you don't have to be an expert to share something that you care about and mm-hmm. that you've um, like I wouldn't say our community is experts at all in it, but I think we're almost like a middleman, like, hey, you guys should read you know, Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. And we're like, te- we're like the middleman, right? Yeah. Like, hey, this, he's, he's the historian. Yeah, he's the historian. He's yeah. the one who put all this together. We're going to point you there. We're going to, we are totally willing to lead you through conversations and stuff. And it's, and it's kind of like that fine line between like, <laughs> I, I don't think that everyone should just post every opinion and thing that they have mm-hmm. to say. That's mm-hmm. kind of like a decline of our culture. But that's another mm-hmm. podcast. But that's it because you but, need community to process. Right. You right? Because you, you might need, read a book and be like, I got questions. And right. then how cool to come with some other people. I got questions. Like, yeah. yeah, we have questions too. Let's talk about them. Yeah. You should have, mm-hmm. you should be relying on people who are at somewhat like committed. Like we are, we all in our group are some are committed and we have spent a long time thinking through and, and listening to and reading about these issues. Yeah. Um, and that's discipleship yeah. in all aspects of like following Jesus. Yeah. Like, because this is following Jesus with our morality and our choices right Mm -hmm. yeah so it could be other things as well like you always want to be connected with some people that are a few steps down the road from you and that's enough yeah Mm -hmm. for god to keep moving you don't always need to be connected to the expert like you don't need to always go talk to i don't know right the the name of a famous pastor i I can never i never know any celebrity pastors (laughs) but um, whoever that is yeah it's enough to be connected to that person god's put in your life who is just a, a little bit further ahead than you yeah Okay. Well, on that call to action to go and connect, that's probably a good place to finish the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, and read The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Yes, which is a real (laughs) Uh, Mm eye-opener. Also, I would want to say real fast, um, if you're listening to this and you have any sort of, and and I say this not from a judgmental, I've never experienced this and I'm just pointing you out because I know some of you exist. Um, But like, as someone who for a very long time was like, well, I mean, I'm only in Portland right now because I'm in college and like, I'm not going to live here forever. For one, for me, that ended up not being true. Um, <laughs> but for, for two, 
uh, that's no excuse. Like if you just moved here and you don't know if you're going to stay here or you're only going to be here for college or you know you're going to move in six months because X, Y, and Z reasons, uh, that's enough time for you to just plant your roots really, really deep for as much time as you've got mm-hmm. and love the city and the people who live in the city that you're in. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is exactly, just read Ruth 1. Only read that chapter of Ruth 1, yeah. uh, of Ruth, and, and hear her say, no, these are my people now. Like, y- your God is my, everything about whatever this whole thing is, it's mine now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have that sort of mentality. Or That's a like, Jesus mentality. Even the exiles, like they know they're going to have a limited yes. amount of time in exile in Babylon, but God's like, dudes, while you're there, bless it. Yeah, what is it, Jeremiah, where yeah. he's uh, God explicitly says, like, make homes, make families, yeah. make communities, like, everything that you would do if this was just you, yourself, and your people, and, like, uh, your own land, do all of that. But here, plant yourselves. And, uh, I mean, that's the whole theme. Like, Jeremiah starts with, like, m- with the theme of the fact that he's going to pluck up and plant things. Yeah, yeah. And so what does he do? He plucks them up. Like, that's the theme of Israel's life is that God constantly plucks them up from places and then plants them elsewhere yeah. because they couldn't do it on their own. So God had to kind of force them into it. But uh, do that for, for however it should, whenever you move, for whatever reason, it should hurt to leave the place that you're in. If it hurts to leave the place you're in, even if you were only there for two months, it means that you were doing something that really pleased the heart of God. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Yeah. Um, man, this this may now be like, people might be listening to part, well, this might be two podcasts. <laughs> like, well done, sticking with it. And just so you guys know, we talked for about an hour before we even pressed record. So <laughs> yeah, it could have been worse. I'm just going to say. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wanted to finish. I'm just thinking if we do release this as a two-parter, we'll be getting towards March. And I just wanted to ask you, Grace, mm-hmm. there's some stuff your community is doing. If people do have questions, you're trying to resource for like, how can we help people learn about big questions, get oriented in big questions. And so you've got some videos coming. This would be a yeah. great opportunity for you to, I know, do the trailer for us a little bit so we know what to look out for. Um, and then we'll put the link to the, the website. Okay. The so we have we have some videos in the works. Um, well, we've recorded them all. They're being edited. Um, shout out to Casey Link, who's doing a lot of hard work on that. But um, we are going, our plan is to release about one video each week starting in March. And the videos are really introductions to terms and concepts um, surrounding the racial justice conversation. And we want to keep the video short, like about five or less, less is ideal, uh, minutes for each video. But they're really just a conversation starter. And then um, on our website, so we're going to share those on social media. And then on our website, um, we're not exactly sure how we're going to do it, but we're going to have sort of like questions um that people can discuss like in discussion groups you know on zoom or with their small groups or whatever they're meeting right now um to really get the conversation going because there's a lot of nuance in these topics um and they can't all obviously be discussed in a five minute video but if you can sit down with people and process through um and then come back to us after that with questions Uh, that would be really helpful. And then our idea is to continue the conversation um, 
it's kind of hard right now because we can't meet in like large groups but yeah. um we're, we're just kind of working through that and this, this is, is coming yeah and this is yeah. obviously going to be an ongoing conversation this is a long haul we're here for <laughs> forever um we're here for as long as it takes to work through this conversation and bring kind of everyone along with us because everyone in in um, our congregation is at different places and so by offering this introduction we can get on the same page and then move forward with a common language and a common understanding and it's so so huge i mean we've all inhabited this conversation maybe longer than an average person and even us chatting today like we're struggling to have a train of thought that doesn't get derailed by all the complexity and this that (laughs) and the other and join it all together right so definitely it'd be really easy to listen and in some sense like the the podcasts are an opportunity to like stir up some stuff to think about Mm -hmm. but if there's something you've just listened to and you're like man i want to think about that the video would be a great way in then yeah and what we hope to do as well is like as these videos come out i mean we may not do it every week because you guys are taken a long time preparing this it's like a lot of work um but then hopefully we'll be able to do some podcasts then as people are interested like man that was a really great introduction tell me more we can do some more chat to like keep the conversation going about this stuff yeah especially when people have the opportunity to listen to the video process it discuss it with other people and then come back to us with questions the questions would be awesome to dive into and you guys have got contact on the on the racial justice community page yeah if people have got questions but yes. you can also you can always talk to anyone at Westside, or you can email us the emails in the um in the notes as well like we love to hear mm-hmm. from you guys if you've got those questions they help feed what we do yeah so i'd encourage you to be doing that as well absolutely all right well done everyone you made it through <laughs> either a really long podcast or part two of a podcast <laughs> so we hope you're doing well and uh, you've enjoyed exploring these things go think about them go talk to people about them and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to this episode of the house of learning podcast this podcast is produced by a jesus church college based at Westside at jesus church in portland oregon AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode. 